Well, the countdown is on. If you're watching with us on Christmas Sunday, we've got five days until Christmas. And even if it's a socially isolated Christmas, most of us are looking forward to Christmas, even if it means celebrating with family over Zoom or FaceTime. And I know there's another countdown going on. There's only 12 days until we start a new year. As we look to 2021, we hope, we, we deeply hope that 2021 does not turn into a repeat of 2020. Some are pining their hopes, or I should say pinning their hopes on the vaccines that are coming on stream that we hope will create this herd immunity we need to push back this COVID pandemic. But we're Albertans, right? And that means we're a bit more skeptical about the government. We question whether science is really science or just another version of politics. So that means just under half of us are excited about the vaccine as the hope to end COVID, and almost a third of us say we won't take the vaccine. There's another 19% of us who are taking a wait-and-see attitude. You're waiting to see if things go well or not. You're, you're the ones that are posting on social media that you think Trudeau, Kenny, or Notley should take it first, and uh, really your motives are not pure. So that means about half of us are hopeful, the other half of us are skeptical, but I would venture to guess that all of us are a little weary, discouraged, and, and maybe even exhausted at this point in the pandemic. And, and as we wrap up 2020, that is what is true of all of us. We are, we are COVID-weary, we are COVID-tired, we are COVID-fatigued. Back in March, the, the promise was that it would be a short experience over by the summer. Summer came, summer went, and COVID stayed. But still, we, we had this hope that it would be short-lived. But then, as we got into December, we all realized that this isn't going to end soon, that we're in some sort of marathon, but we can't see the finish line. We don't even know where the finish line is. I mean, how do you run a marathon when you don't know where the finish line is? So for most of us, we're, we're just done. We're exhausted. The restrictions have taken their toll. Add to that, for many of us, cutbacks at work or loss of work. And for small business owners, our businesses are failing and some of them might not make it. I think of Patty's across the street from us and all that they've been through. It took them almost four years to recover from the wildfire and now this. And yeah, many of us are still recovering from the wildfire and then add a flood and now this. And what this is doing to us is huge. Here, here's what I'm seeing. More and more of you are becoming um, more restless and irritable than you were before. Some of you are lacking motivation to work or, you know, at work or at home. You're, you're having difficulty concentrating on tasks. And, and as if social isolation is not enough, there are some of you who are withdrawing even more from socializing with others. And I'm hearing reports of some of you who are experiencing physical symptoms like changes in eating and sleeping habits. And then those of you who, are, who actually catch COVID and, and you have to work through the issues of that disease. As I was thinking about this sense of being overwhelmed and exhausted, my mind went to the story of the wise men. We're in this series of messages we're calling Look Up, It's Christmas, and today really is the last in that series. Our theme has been, look up, don't give up. And wow, is that ever a theme that we need right now? Look up, don't give up. One of the key messages that I've wanted us to take from this series of Advent messages is, things in the midst of this COVID mess will start to look up when we start looking up. 
Let me say that again, that in the midst of all of this COVID mess, they will start, all this stuff will start to look up when we start looking up. In other words, your circumstances will improve when you stop looking at them and you start looking at God. All of the symptoms of COVID fatigue, yes, they can smooth out when you look up. In these last three weeks, we've looked at Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds. We saw the trauma they experienced that first Christmas, that it wasn't until they looked up, changed their focus, came to trust the God who is in full control, that things settled down for them and they found the peace that passes all understanding. As we wrap up this series, we want to study the story of the wise men. Let me read that to you from the uh, Apostle Matthew's account of Christmas. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and, and we've come to worship him. The wise men took off following a star, a star that they believed would bring them to a newborn king. And it was no short journey. The distance from the home of the wise men, which we believe was in Parthia in northeastern Iran, from Parthia to Jerusalem is, is approximately 800 kilometers. By caravan, as long as there are no major detours or disruptions, the trek would probably take maybe 50 to 60 days. So when they arrive, they're exhausted. And I have no doubt that uh, many times during this long and arduous journey, they probably ask themselves, is this worth it? What are we doing? Why are we going through all this suffering? Are we actually going to see anybody? Is this just a big joke? Should we just give up? Should we maybe turn around? Maybe quit the journey? It's just too hard. We have no guarantee of, we're just following a star. They arrived first in Jerusalem. And apparently, when these exhausted guys started asking around Jerusalem about where they could find this king, I mean, everybody noticed. I'm guessing that these foreign leaders, these wise men from Iran, kind of stood out as not being from here. They were not Jewish, and they were not Roman. They're Iranians of wealth. They came with this incredible hard-not-to-notice caravan. It's quite the show. They become the talk of the town. So much so that even Herod gets word that there's this caravan of wealthy Iranians talking about a king that has just been born in his region. Let's read Matthew's account a bit more. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Just a side note here, you just got to love what's going on. Herod's feeling a little bit threatened. This is the Roman governor of Judea who is known as Herod the Great. He did do some great things as the Roman governor. He, he wanted people to see him as the protector of Judaism, as someone who was a friend to the Jewish people. One of his great accomplishments was the building of the second temple in Jerusalem, restoring the original temple to even greater splendor than in the time of Solomon. That put Herod in the good books of a lot of Jewish leaders. Now Herod, on one hand, was a very strong leader, on the other hand, he was a very insecure leader. 
what, what I find really interesting is he actually believes the prophecy about Jesus' birth, but he has the audacity to think that he can stop it. That's kind of paranoia and arrogance all combined. And so when he gets wind that this king has been born, a Jewish king, first he calls in the Jewish leaders to find out what's going on. They tell him about the prophesied promised Messiah who would be born near Jerusalem in Bethlehem. Then he calls in the wise men to find out a little more from them as well. He hears more about this promised king who has just been born. And eventually, every boy in Bethlehem under two years of age is slaughtered so that there is no chance that a new king will emerge and steal his throne. Well, except that God has Joseph, Mary, and Jesus flee as refugees to Egypt. How Herod thought he could thwart a prophecy of God is the kind of arrogance that he lived by. Apparently, he died shortly after all that. Some historians believe that it was intestinal cancer. How they figured that out, I don't know, but the word from the historians is he didn't live much longer and died of cancer. Herod's not the main point of my message today, but I love the story of Herod because it shows that in the middle of the worst that can happen in this world, when evil is at its worst, the slaughter of innocent boys, in the midst of all of that evil, God is still in control. We wish that God would intervene when evil like that happens, like we wish that God would not let COVID happen. God does not always stop the exercise of evil or the advance of disease in this world. We live in a sin-wrecked world with sin-wrecked leaders, and it just gets dark and messy in this world sometimes. But through it all, our God remains in control. Friends, our God is still on the throne right now. And in this story, with the wise men and King Herod, and then God kind of making a way for the family of Jesus to escape to Egypt, we see God making, just protecting Jesus so that he can be the savior of the world, so that Jesus would undo the evil that is so deeply at work in our world. Whether it's the slaughter of innocence at the hand of Herod or the slaughter of innocence at the hand of COVID, God does not always intervene to stop the slaughter, but he is at work in the midst of such evil. And he calls you and me to look up to him for strength and deliverance. In the midst of it all, we are to look up, not give up. And the whole reason Jesus came into this sin-wrecked world of ours was to pay the penalty of sin so that you and me and this sin-wrecked world would one day be restored. Hear what the apostle John tells us is a result of what Jesus did by coming at that first Christmas and then later dying on the cross. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Friends, there's a new world coming. There is a a world without covid a world without economic instability or job loss, a world without relational stress, a a world without racial unrest, a a world without political polarization. Yes, a new world is coming. Okay, 
That's kind of a message within a message. But the story of Herod tells us that no amount of evil can prevent God from making a way to undo the the mess of sin in this world. Despite COVID, despite economic ruin, despite relational hurt, despite evil all over this world, there is a new world coming that not even King Herod or anyone can prevent. Okay, back to the wise men. Everything changed for the wise men when they met Jesus. Now, these wise men, of course, have been looking up all along because they're following a star to find Jesus in the first place. So for the entire journey, for a couple of months, they're they're looking up, looking up. It's what started their journey to Jesus in the first place. Fact is, if they hadn't been looking up, they they would never have seen the star, and if they'd never seen the star, they would have missed the entire event. But that star led them to Jerusalem and and a meeting with King Herod, And, and as they continued to follow the star, it brought them to the little town of Bethlehem. Let's go back to what Matthew records. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. So yeah, they're still looking up, right? When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They looked up, and their attitude changed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, now here's what I want to point out to you. All of the fatigue and all of the tiredness and all of the exhaustion of months of travel, all of the aches and pains and soreness from sitting on a camel for months going across the desert, it all evaporates the moment they focus on Jesus and meet him personally. Have you met Jesus personally? Seriously, have you met him? Do you know him? Again, let me say this past year has been one of the most difficult, confusing years in recent history. Along with COVID, you got floods, oil price instability, racial unrest, even here in Fort McMurray. Politics are polarized in Canada, in the U.S., right around the world. The message is get your eyes off of all of that stuff. Look up, look at Jesus, and everything will change. Or for those of us experienced in the midst of COVID exhaustion, when you get your eyes off of all of the junk around us that is just exhausting us and get our eyes on Jesus, Jesus will infuse us with new energy, a a peace, a joy beyond all understanding. It's what God promised through the prophet Isaiah. But those who trust, trust, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You want that, don't you? You you want that new strength. You, You want to be able to soar high on wings like eagles. You want to run and not grow weary and not walk and not faint. You want that, right? Then look up. Look up to Jesus and let him fill your life with his life-giving, his strength-giving, his energy-giving Holy Spirit. Let's go back to Matthew. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And with joy and new strength, worshiping Jesus, they go, they, they go do that 800-kilometer trek back to northeastern Iran. And notice, 
God intervened supernaturally in the lives of these wise men. He gave them supernatural direction through a dream on the need to take another route and to avoid going to Herod. I mean, how cool is that? You know, God still does that today. He still speaks and he guides. Friends, we have a supernatural God who, when you get your eyes off the problem and you get your eyes on him, he will empower us. He will get us to the other side of the mess. He will make a way for us. He will heal us. He will supernaturally lead us. And he promises that there's a new world coming. The Christmas story is so awesome. It is so powerful. Like Mary, like Joseph, like the shepherds, like the wise men. Let's turn our eyes to Jesus. Let's look at his wonderful face so that the problems of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And it's not just that all those problems will grow strangely dim. It is that God has changed us. God has empowered us. God has led us. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, if God be for us, who or what can be against us? Friends, look up, it's Christmas, because nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Will you join me for a time of prayer where we turn our eyes upon Jesus, where we look up and invite God to do the impossible through our lives? Let's pray. Our prayer is real simple right now, God. God, help us to look up. Help us to look to you for the deliverance we need from this COVID exhaustion. Help us to look to you for the provision we need in the midst of work instability and job loss and even business loss. Help us to look for the peace we need and the joy we need. And lead us to the other side of this mess. And then use us to be light to lead others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.